Real quick before we start the show, just wanted to let you guys know you can get the show two days early by joining our Patreon. Even for a buck, you can listen to the show two days early. Go to patreon.com slash analog talk and we got a bunch of stuff over there. Check it out and uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. This is going to be part two of the Ed Templeton episode. We're going to be picking up right where we left off. Man, so that that makes me wanted to ask you, or that I, I've been wanting to ask you this too, and I forgot. You know, with painting and the photography, like, is it kind of like you're you're working on all these things at once, or do you kind of just, you know, you're a painter this week, and mm. then you're a photographer when you leave the house, or because I I've been dabbling, you know, since the pandemic, I haven't been shooting as much because you know clearly we were locked in for a while, yeah. and then it's just not the same vibe when you go out and shoot. It just doesn't feel the same as what it felt like pre-pandemic mm-hmm. so I started getting into music and then I just get this constant battle in my head of like like I was putting new strings on a guitar today and I was like it's snowing and it's pretty out I should go out and take some yeah. photos and I'm like no but music you know mm-hmm. like where where do you stand with that where's your internal battle between the two it's tough I think I've relaxed a lot I've had those battles that you're, you're describing I think at some point for me I get those battles when I waste time on other things mm, yeah you know, yes. spend an hour mm-hmm. on Instagram and then go, well, that could have been reading Moby Dick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that could have yeah. been that could have yep. been investing a classic book or or watching like a great film or doing anything but that. Like uh, that's like uh, an hour I'm never getting back. Yeah. No one cares that I liked their photo or uh, you know, posted <laughs> yep. a photo or whatever. It's so like, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, but I get really bummed to myself when I do that stuff or I just, you know, waste some time and then I'm like, oh, I should have done this instead. I don't get I don't have the thing about like, you know, I think. If I was like stream working on music, I wouldn't be bummed that I wasn't out shooting. But you know, you everyone has that. For me, it's not simultaneous. A lot of times, it is juggling because mm-hmm. I because I toy machine takes a lot of time too. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're running a company too. Yeah. yeah. Skateboard, <laughs> like I'm doing skateboard graphics and advertisements, and that takes a certain amount of time. You know, it's like, I'll just give you examples like from recent history here. Same mm-hmm. same with you guys though. It's like our pandemic photography, nothing. Like I just, I would travel, we would travel a lot, no travel for the last two years, almost no shooting because I was just staying in the house, but I was also Mm -hmm. painting towards a show, which just closed in Los Angeles, a painting show. So yeah, when the pandemic happened, I was just like, that's it. I'm diving into this like painting. I'm going to like try to like finish this, this X amount of painting. So I have a show. Well, I, you know, I worked with my gallery and they said like, let's do a show at this time. So I kind of knew like, here's my goal. I'm going to paint this whole time. So I feel like for the whole pandemic, I had the painting hat on and I would take breaks to do toy machine. The show just ended. I basically have been on a three week binge. So the last three weeks I've been basically only doing toy machine graphics <laughs> but in my spare time yeah, and then, yeah. you know like i do that in the day and then like you know maybe at night i come back to the computer and then i start messing i prune you know like i mean this all photographers do it i think but you just prune your archive i have yeah you know all my so i get processing and proof at the lab when i turn my film in so i get these proof sheets and i have my negatives mm. i personally scan every negative every proof sheet i don't know if you who does this or what you know it's like I'm. I could pay for the extra scans as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't I scan the proof sheet, and then I go through each proof sheet and 
take each individual image and title that. So I have these folders with just a bunch of JPEGs in them. I scan the proof sheet really big. So each, in, when I cut out an individual photo, it's about 10 inches at 72 DPI. Oh, nice. Yeah. And that's how I make all my books. I use those low res photos as placeholders. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can edit books because I've got my whole archive digitally in these shitty JPEG forms. And actually they're big enough if some certain, most scans are clean enough to share on Instagram. So a lot of the stuff I share on Instagram is just scanned from a proof sheet, you know? It's like, wow, wow, okay. (laughs) It's not the sharpest and it's like, but you get the idea and it's Mm -hmm. kind of like, "Eh." like my wires crossed Instagram, which is about mostly about sharing photos of skaters and stuff like that's almost all from a proof sheet. I'll have to go back and look at that again. Yeah, there's a lot of just from a proof sheet scan. So it's just scanning a yeah, a little that little tiny uh, frame, blowing it up a little bit. See, that's smart. My archival is terrible. I'm, I mean, I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Pruning. So like, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, you guys, I'm going to get on your guys' butts about this. But <laughs> yes, yes. Because this is like what I tell people all the time. It's like, it's so important to have this. I know I have so many friends who have shoe boxes of stuff. Yeah. And they say they can find stuff, but when they really need it and they know they have something, they can't find it. Yep. Therefore, you don't even have the photo. Yep. Like if you can't find it when you need it, you don't have it. Right. Yeah. You don't have it. You Think about the people who are trying to make a book and not even knowing what they have. Right. Like, that's crazy to me. I took my checklist down. I mean, I had a checklist for wires cross. I put all my, I made a little <laughs> sheet. And I taped it to my door and it was the wires cross checklist. And it was like, I put each album number and then I had like a little column that said like, checked, yes or no. And I went through, I basically looked at every single photo I ever shot systematically to make sure I had, you know, I didn't want to miss. I didn't want to like be digging through a box and then go, oh my God, this should have been in my book, which I've done a lot. I've done this a lot. Like, I mean, the teen kissers, smokers, mm-hmm. all these books, I've ended up finding like, fuck, I just found, this is like one of the better kissing photos I have. Uh, yeah, and it's not yeah, even yeah, in yeah. the book. Oh. That would keep. What a stupid mistake to like. I would not... never sleep again, I think. I would just be. Yeah, it kills you. You're like, this is the best. This is, this work is tainted now because. Yeah. I don't... And nobody knows it but you, but it still would just be yeah. like. I kneecapped it by not even using the best photo. <laughs> So I didn't want that to happen with wires cross. So I like, I just went systematically like, okay, I'm going to album one. I looked at every single proof sheet and just made sure like, okay, I clearly got the ones out of this book folder. Okay. Just so I had peace of mind and I had all the time to do that. So, you know, I would just do, you know, look through every single photo, but that's what I mean by pruning. So a lot of the pandemic was a lot of pruning. I'll rename stuff. I'll go through and like, you know, fix it and then back it up on the different hard drives. But, you know, it's like, so the, the archive itself is ever evolving. I'm like constantly like adding new ones to it. I'll go to the proof sheet and maybe like pick a couple more off. But usually I do the whole thing at the right at the time I get them. And so every time I get a batch back from the lab, I scan all the ones. I sit there and do it. You know, each yeah. one might take 15 minutes to a half an hour. So it's like, you know, a lot of time is spent just sitting at the computer doing it. Yeah. And I have friends who are like, I can't, I just don't do it. Like I want to shoot. They're yeah. like Winogrand mm-hmm. style. They're like late Winogrand where they just shoot, shoot, shoot. And they don't spend any time <laughs> it, yeah scanning it knowing where what it is and yeah so it's kind of like i feel like i found a good balance between shooting and then having the archive and knowing knowing what i have no that's a great idea yeah, yeah. And then being able to make books so I, all i do my, like fun for me is just sitting with a layout and looking at my whole archive which is at my fingertips and putting in photos and taking out photos and they're all low-res mm. shitty jpegs and then only when i get like to the final version of the book do I spend the money and getting all those scanned, you know? Wow. Mm-hmm. But I can pull them from the book because it's all organized. It's like each each of those little JPEGs has book one, proof 25. And I just know wow. exactly where that neg is when I need it. 
That's uh, like inspiring because I've like been since we've had the baby. I'm like, I okay. You've been talking about this. For I a while. need to yeah. either start from scratch and worry about the rest of it some other time, but at least in my brain, being like, today is the start of the Benjamin archive or whatever, just so I, <laughs> I, I could keep it all because I don't want to lose any of that stuff out. I've been having like postpartum anxiety about my photography and my son. So that you've like you reiterating like you got archive. I'm like he's right. I got archive. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> it's worth doing. I mean, I just. Yeah. I've had so many, I've had my own little horror stories not being able to find stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this book even has been changed. The wires crossed. I mean, there's a couple of photos that ended up not making it in now that I have had in through all these different cuts I've been telling you about, all these edits oh. that somehow I had like a slide dupe and I got mm. the dupe scan and I, and then I pop it up on the screen. I'm like, oh, this is blurry. Like, <gasps> I, know, I know the original negative of the original slide is sharp but I got a dupe and somehow the original negative is, I don't know where oh, <laughs> yeah. it's dupe, and it's not good enough. And it's like, fuck, I can't use this now, you know? So Damn. Yeah. I had to like shuffle some things around and like, maybe that'll get used. The, that photo will get used in a different form somewhere else, but you know, it's not going to work as a two page spread for instance, you know, cause it's, it's just not, you know, maybe if it was small, it would work. But yeah, I think I, I, I think I saw you say it was on an interview somewhere um, about how you kind of sit down in the morning and spend like an hour doing that stuff and, you know, logging and you kind of show an example with your negative. See, I'm really good with bindering and, and saving. Yeah. It's just I don't know where anything is. I need to start like tagging stuff yeah. where it's like, you know, Franklin, uh, this day type thing where where you can type it in, give it a couple keywords. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I. I've done the keywords and the, and the and the placement of where it is is really important. And uh, yeah. it's something you could do easily if you've got it already in binders. I mean, you just have to like, you know, binder one, binder two. Yeah. yeah. Mine's yeah. really like, mine's not sophisticated. It's literally just book one, book two, book three. And I'm just going to go up to like whatever. Mm-hmm. I think I'm on 72 like now. Dates on it 72. Wow. <laughs> and each book carries about 75 proofs. Man. So... You can do the math on that. But then I have some other, I have, I do have a shoe box. I have one shoe box. That's kind of like that. I've been slowly, like I'll go in and like there. I, I mean, early on I did weird stuff where I would, but I've noticed that everyone has really weird things. I went to Todd Heido's house. Uh, legend. Yeah. Todd Heido, <laughs> Todd Heido keeps his work. He cuts like he has just the negative. I mean, I think he's working digitally now, but he has like the one negative that it cuts out completely. Wow. There's one. Oh. And then puts that all with his best work in a little like mini safe, like a fireproof oh. mini safe. And then that's in another safe. So he's got this thing. I went to Mitch Epstein's house oh, wow. to visit with Mitch. Yeah. I was doing an exhibition in New York and we met and he was just like, come to my house. And I was like, okay, Mitch Epstein, I'll come yeah, to your house. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, sure. Got to hang out with Mitch Epstein. He was like a super mellow rad guy. And, uh, and saw his system he's got also a refrigerator with a lot of his color work in a refrigerator wow. really yeah it's weird seeing everyone's different things you know but in yeah. the early days for me i used to cut i used to take the one strip out that i thought this is a good photo and i put that in an envelope and write on the envelope what it was and then that was in a shoebox. so i have this weird shoebox where i mean i actually did get a, rid of a bunch of stuff in the early days where i, I think i threw the rest away yeah I'm like oh here's one photo i like boom yeah the rest the of the rest five oh. sheets or five strips they're in the trash mm-hmm so I've been going systematically, like every once in a while, like I'll pick out a bunch of those and take them to the lab and go, Hey, can you proof these for me? And then those, 
are obviously out of order, but you know, that, you know, so book 72 will have like, Oh, most of this is like 2022, but there's also a little bit of 1990 in here, you know? Yeah. 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 But it doesn't really matter because it's mostly about the numbers. Like as long as I know when I find that, when I use that negative book, I can see what, you know, it says album 72 proof 50 and I know where it is. Yeah. It must be so like such a relief to be like, think of something and be like, know exactly where that is. Just me. I'm like, I'm like, and the keywords, and the files I have are just, it's just a, you know, it's just a Photoshop file, a JPEG. And so because Macintosh, you can put a bigger title in. Yeah. You know, I'll just put a bunch of like, you know, date, place, whatever. But, you know, I've done some like fun zines where, I did a zine with Debbie Club called Umbrella, and the concept was just literally search Umbrella in my archive. Yeah. Oh, I love and, it. And, you know, like literally like 200 photos that I wrote the word Umbrella came up, wow. and I'm able to make an edit of like, you know, 30 photos from that 200. That's like, you know, here's a fun zine. It's just like very, it's a typology. Mm-hmm. It's just like, mm-hmm. here's, here's a typology of this, you know, and I've done that. I mean, Teen Kissers is obviously a typology. Teen Kissers is like that. You know, I could do, I did a Teenage Kissers 2, I mean, no, Teenage Smokers 2 already. It was just published by a, a company, a publisher in Japan, Super Labo. And I have enough work to do a Teenage Kissers 2, but I, I don't know when that'll happen, if ever. <laughs> but I do have yeah. like, enough work to probably make another book. That'll be cool to see if you do that, like what teen, how teenagers looked like in the 90s and like what they look like now and what they look like in like, yeah. you know, different eras of time. Yeah. Some of it's older work though. I mean, it's like, it's... It's stuff that, like I said, I mean, I think that book is a good example of like, I missed a bunch of photos in that book. And so there's yeah. a bunch of photos that should have been in the first Teenage Kissers that would, would end oh, up yeah. into Teenage Kissers 2, plus new, new work too. But. So was Teenage Smokers, was that before Deformer? Wasn't Deformer one of your first books? Um, no, Teenage Smokers was, was I, I think my first, first ever book, which then became rare for some reason it's oh it's insane if you find a copy on ebay i mean if you've ever seen it it's i mean it's essentially a zine it's not (laughs) it's not a book per se it's like a stapled you know thing glorified zine but two things happened with that to make that happen i think is one obviously alleged press printed it so it's kind of like not a big publisher Mm -hmm. there was really no actual distribution it was like go to the gallery and get it in new york city so and then i sent it to some friends and stuff so i think the scarcity of it how many copies were made do you know it might have been a thousand i I forget actually i think it's a thousand i wonder if i have a copy here somewhere you might say it at the back so there's that and then the other step was uh martin parr included it in the history of the photo book volume three. Oh, mm. dude, that's awesome. And anything that goes in that instantly becomes a collector item. Cause there's wow. a bunch of people who use that as they're like collecting Bible ah. <laughs> based on the research that Jerry Badger and Martin Parr did for that book. Man, that's wild. So I think that's why it's so expensive. Cause yeah, it's crazy. It's not worth $500. Some, you know, Harper's books and mm-hmm. they have it for like a thousand dollars. It's crazy. So, wow. I mean, that's how that's how like Larry Clark's teenage uh, lust is, too. I've been that's been on my like bucket list books for forever. And it's just. Yeah. I mean, if you have a thousand dollars, you can get one. I mean, I think. Yeah. Arcana has a copy that might be like twelve hundred, fifteen hundred. Uh-huh. Wow. But yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it's such a good book, too. Even the even the edition I have is the Japanese edition. Oh, OK. It's like an exact replica 
made by uh, Takeishi Gallery in the, I think in the late 90s or something. Yeah, I've seen and that one on a copy sale from Japan. too. And it's exactly the same and the printing is exactly the same except for the text at the back is in Japanese. But the text is also kind of like very stream of consciousness sort of yeah not doesn't really like necessarily add to the book so you're not missing that much man but i you know i haven't even like i could afford it but i just feel like i don't need to shell out i as long as i can see the photos that's all i care about. yeah like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean i do as a book collector i do geek out on first editions and stuff but i still don't necessarily need it if i bill burks i want to take picture is a book that i always wanted but they, they reissued it so i was like oh, i'll just have the reissue carnival strippers i never got the first edition but mm. they've remade that and then i think they're making a new edition now yeah like it's, it's funny that like photo book collecting can get dangerous too you know oh I don't know yeah, if you guys have seen my, my situation downstairs, but I'm already like out of shelf space. <laughs> yeah. And it uh, doesn't seem to stop. It doesn't. It's yeah. such a... It's, it's another a part good, of the addiction. It's a good addiction to have, though. Yeah, it's one totally. of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Do you know the hashtag photo book jousting? Mm-hmm. Yep. Follow no, it. No, I yeah. don't. What is that? You know, I invented that. Did you really? Oh, that's you. I, I know you always, you're always a part of it. I didn't know that was your thing. Cool. I invented it because I realized that when you click the hashtag photo book, it's just so wide. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, you know, you're not getting what you want if you're like wanting to see actual photo books. So I realized that using like a word that no one would normally use, your random Joe who's going to share a photo book or like their own photo album is not going to write photo book jousting. It's like, speci- it's specific mm. to like, if you know it, then you're like, oh, that's the tag to follow for like yeah. photo, real photo books, you know? Ooh. Probably sort of widened a little bit now because it's been around for so long. It's probably, I haven't clicked it in a long time, but I still use it though. When I share books at night, I still like put hashtag photo book jousting because it's like, I think it's just specific to the community, you know? It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you can follow hashtags, Chris. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I knew go, that. Yeah, go yeah. follow that. It's, it's a good it one. And you'll see a lot of like cool books and it is like, and it does kind of separate people who use that tend to be actual right. photo book people and not just, you know, sharing their- Like a wedding book or whatever. Yeah, photography. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. it's good to not take yourself too seriously. Yes. I think through through Toy Machine, that's been like our company ethos has just been like we're not taking everything that seriously. It's like we're it's skateboarding, it's fun, and like I think that has spilled over to just my entire life. And everyone, yeah, a stuffy, serious, like the work I put out is very serious. But I don't know if I need to carry myself in that in that way, yeah. <laughs> like convey the work or anything like that. It's like yeah, we're all just humans and we're stupid. <laughs> It's so true. Stay out of your own head that way too. I'm I'm always like overthinking everything, and I remember like relax. It's supposed to be fun. <laughs> yeah, and also just like being uh, approachable too. Right? Mm-hmm. Also through skateboarding, I remember when I was young, I would meet these, or I would actually see kids meeting pros, even on toy machine, like toy machine pros, and they would kind of blow the kid off or be like, "I'm busy right now. Don't yeah. ask me." Or like, and the, kid, cool. the skater would get off, and I'd be standing there looking at the kid, and I could see like the disappointment. Yeah. My favorite pro is a dick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I just, I was like, okay, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that through skateboarding and now maybe through photography and art, that when a person comes to meet me, 
there's probably some baggage or expectations there. So it's like, and but also those are the people that are like my community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, This is my community. Like you're the people who come to my show to like support the art or look at it. You're the, you're the exact person I'm having the conversation with when right. I put a painting on the wall. You're the person that I'm conversing with. That's, it's a conversation. It's like the photo doesn't really work unless someone's looking at it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sending that ship out <laughs> to the, yep. to the what? It's not, right, not right, right. myself. I'm like sharing it. It's like the proverbial kid pointing, the kid who can't speak. That's the photograph. It's like the kid pointing to his mom. Look at this. You know, that's what I'm doing as an artist. I'm saying, look at this. Mm-hmm. Look at what I saw. But it only really connects when the, the other the person on the other side also shares that experience and goes, I, I know what this guy was. I get it. You know, I get what yeah. it's like. I get the story. So, so yeah, I mean, it's just like, yeah. So I don't know. I guess I'm trying to talk about just, I don't know, respecting my community and like being nice to people. I wish everybody had that. You know. Yeah, I feel like though I've <laughs> I've noticed that with you throughout the years. I mean, I've been a huge fan for is I mean since I probably picked up a skateboard and then you know realizing you do art and you've always just had that big heart. You could see that you're like the big heart guy, mm-hmm. and you've always been like funny and stuff too. So it it's there's just so much like masculinity and skateboarding and stuff like that where it's just like a lot of name calling and poking fun and which is also fun at times too with your buddies to be a to be a dick sometimes you know but i don't know you've just always kind of you've always been like a like that guy's cool you know kind of mm-hmm. thing i've always <laughs> felt like where i think i learned be- a lot from uh especially when i started toy machine i was kind of like well here i am in, embarking on an endeavor where i'm marketing and selling the thing that i love like i really cherish skateboarding like as as a concept as a thing whatever it is yeah now I'm in the position where I'm like trying to market and sell it. So one approach was like the approach we've kept is just like not take it too seriously, poke fun at the idea that we're selling it. Cause it's like, we all know that we're in on the joke. That <laughs> yeah. are exactly the same. And it's like literally a marketing. Yeah. It's a yep. marketing thing, but then also like being very influenced by Fugazi and that kind of, you know, his like Ian McKay starting the record label discord and how they ran the show where it was about the community. It was like $5 tickets, keep the, you know, so we're like, I try to like keep that philosophy. Like I don't want to gouge prices, you know, like we just sold like signed at Templeton skateboards, but they were like exactly the same price as a regular skateboard because my ah. signature doesn't cost anything. It's like yeah. uh, mm-hmm. paying extra for my signature, which is stupid because I would give it to you free on the street. Right. You know, it's like, um, you know, just that kind of stuff. So it was always about like respect of the community. And it's like, we're all in this together. This is like, <laughs> this is like, damn. So a photographer yeah. is my, is my brother. The skateboarder is my brother. And yeah. this is like our community. And that's like, yeah. It's a, I love that so much. Yeah. That's kind of like <laughs> It extends past like running a company. It's just like this is how your whole life should be run. Yeah, totally. Right? Holy shit, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back with some listener questions for Ed right after this message from our sponsor. Just wanted to pop in quick and remind you guys about our Patreon-only Develop and Hang Nights. We've done a bunch of these already. We develop some film. We talk shop. We have fun. We laugh. It's an all-around good time. If that sounds like something you're interested in, head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. We have a bunch of other stuff over there. Check it out. Patreon is the best way to help support the show. All right, guys. Thanks. All right, guys. So this is part of the show where we take a question from one of our listeners. We're actually going to going to do two questions for Ed. The first question comes from friend of the show, Joan Michelle. She says, how is it collaborating with your wife on projects? That's a good question. It's been 
really great. We had, well, as much as we're both very separate in our work, we have, in fact, we shoot together a lot. Mm. <laughs> so any trip I've been on for the last 30 years, right. most likely Deanna was with me. Right. And so when I'm walking around in Japan or we're on a skateboard tour, she's there and she's shooting as well. So cool. From her perspective. But a lot of times we're actually together shooting. Both of us have different sensibilities. So we end up getting different work, but there is some crossover. And yeah. And so um, for the most part, we didn't work together. And then and then a bunch of opportunities came up where we had opportunities to like ex- exhibit together. It started with exhibitions. I think we started, you know, Domi Bookshop in Austin, Texas had a gallery. I don't think they exist anymore, but uh, they had a gallery and invited us to do a show. And we just decided like, okay, let's just go and like show together. And we just did a full chaos show where we blasted everything up onto the wall, partially framed, partially, partially tapped or taped up. And like, and it was just mixed up and the photos were all mixed. And so in a lot of ways, no one could tell whose work was. Who's, oh, cool. Mm. Yeah. And then uh, I think we ended up making like a fun diagram where we like did like a sketch of the wall with all the shapes, the photos, and then put titles, like whose it was. So you could, if you, you know, if you wanted to, you could look at this, uh, map it out. Yeah. uh, sheet and go through and see whose photo was who, but overall it was just like, this is both of us. So that was kind of the, I think that might've been the start of it. And then through the deadbeat club, we ended Mm -hmm. up, we've done a lot of shows together where we're showing, uh, work together with Deanna and, and some other people. But I think it really like crystallized when we did uh, our book, Contemporary Suburbium. And that little book, we could talk about that for a second. I mean, it's the little project that could. Oh. So this is a fun story. It's like Chris Pickler, who runs Nazareli Press, came to us with, or he was talking to me at, I think it was at a book fair. We were at the LA book fair. And he was telling me about how he's got this book he's doing for um a Japanese artist that's going to be an accordion book. Oh, neat. And the artist yeah. has a very specific size that they wanted. And it like, so, um, but the size dictates the, the palette of paper that you have to buy as a publisher. And so he realized that the book size that the artist wanted create, you know, necessitated him buying X size of paper for the palette. And he was just, uh, he was just chagrining that this big chunk of paper was going to get cut off and wasted essentially. he's like oh it'd be cool to like make another accordion book with that little strip that gets cut off it's a it'll so it'll be a small book and he's like do you guys have an idea for that and i was like well yeah like me and deanna shoot suburbia um all the time it's like one of the major themes of our of both of our work and so we just you know so we decided to like come up with a thing where it's like let's use the accordion book where ed is on i'm on one side Mm -hmm. and deanna's on the other side and the book's called cool. Contemporary Suburbium. And it's like, so it's both of our suburbia work. Yeah. So she's got one side of the accordion book and and, I, and I've got the other side. And it's a small accordion book and it came out and it sold really well. And then suddenly Pier 24 Museum up in San Francisco said, hey, we want to like put that work in our show. Wow. So we're going to fund the printing. And, you know, suddenly this little book went from like a, one random idea. And then now it's a museum show. It's like part wow. of it. Wild. That's amazing. And the Utah Museum of Art saw that work and they're like, we, we, we want to show this work as part of a show we're doing. Year <laughs> 24 sends it to the Utah Museum of Art and it gets shown in Utah, the Utah MoCA. It comes back to the Pier 24. Pier 24 is essentially offered it to the New York MoMA. Wow. So Clement Cheroux, who was the director of photography at the SF MoMA, took the job now at the New York MoMA. Wow. So there's a connection between 
Chris McCall from Pure 24 knew Clement and said, hey, I have this body of work. We would like to donate it to the museum. And he was, they accepted it. So now this body of work that started with like, let's save some paper. (laughs) Let's not waste this paper. is now in the collection of the Museum of Modern Art. That's wild. Come on. How crazy is that? That's insane. so good. That's both of us. So like Deanna has like 40 photos in the New York MoMA. I have about 40 photos in the New York MoMA. And as a body, I don't know when they'll show it ever, but it's like, it's literally, it went, and that has to go through a whole accession board. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, they don't just say, I'm one guy. It's like, they have to present it to the board and the board has to agree. We accept it in our collection and stuff. So it got through all that. So it's like part of it, which is crazy. But yeah, it's like, it, I, I just marvel at how a book that came from like the impetus for it was, let's not waste this paper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> turned into, it's literally in the Museum of Modern Art. But that's wow. like, that's me and Deanna working together. Back to the question. Yeah. It's been great because I think it gives us both like, you know, she helps me with my work. I help her with her work. As a designer, I end up, you know, like I designed her book, What She Said, for MacBooks. That's her latest book, right? Is her latest book. Yeah. That, I mean, all her oh, books yeah. I designed and all my books I designed. So it's like, but, you know, helping her with that is is amazing because, you know, there's sort of like a trust level there. Also, yeah. easy to fight, though. Because I was going to say, I was like, I could just picture my husband and I trying to work on something <laughs> creative together and just just, I mean, there's there's oh. been some feelings have been hurt for sure, mm. um, but I think neither of us get that crazy about it really. I mean, she'll say some comment that'll like hurt me, you know, like like what's that in there for? Oh yeah. <laughs> or like a, an edit I'm working on, and she's like, "What's that about?" And I'm like, you know, as much as it hurts, it's like okay, yeah, let's get into like the harsh edit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I like to do a thing where I what I call a harsh edit, where I like I try to approach looking at my work. I'll take a little break from it, come back. And then I go, imagine I'm someone who hates Ed Templeton. (laughs) This guy, I hate his work. Like, what would that guy see? And it changes it. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah. you go, like, imagine you're the person who hates what you do. And of course, you, like, see criticism and you know it. The the deep inside part that has doubts. It's like, you look at a body of work through those eyes. It does change it because it, yeah. like, it puts it through a gauntlet of like, can I defend this photo? Is this just a whim? Mm-hmm. Um, when Deanna it. says, when Deanna says, what is this photo about? It makes me go, okay. It makes me question it and go, is this photo important to me that I included in the book because I was there and I felt the mood? This is a thing a lot of photographers do. I think it's like you're there yeah. and it might be a magical moment and you shoot it, but the magical moment you felt in the moment might not translate to a viewer an external viewer, a person coming to it. So yeah, yeah. There, there's a clarity there. So that, you know, when she questions something, it makes me look at it twice. Mm. And the same for her, I'll say something about something and she gets pissed off at the time and we fight a little <laughs> bit, but over the next three days, she internalizes it and goes, you know what? You're right. You know, it's like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the sensitivity is hard because it's like, you're so close to someone, mm-hmm. but it's been great because it's like having someone who also knows photography and yeah. like, about her own work to look at my work. Cause I mean, I'm kind of insulated. I, I don't show a lot of people work. I mean, I'm friends with Chris McCall from Tier 24 and sometimes he gets to see work and gives some great suggestions, but I've had fairly good luck being my own, my own editor and my own designer. And uh, not a lot of photographers can do that. I know a lot of my friends. Yeah. I always have a tough time with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They either don't want to edit or they just, 
or like, you know, it's hard to talk to them about this, but they're not a good editor of their own mm-hmm. work. You know, they don't know how to like uh, see it from the outside. I, I think, I mean, I don't know, I guess, like I said, I don't really know because I'm so insulated, but yeah, I feel like based on whatever success I've had with my book so far, that I do a pretty good job at stepping out of myself and seeing it from the outside. But, you know, I can't really say, I guess it's for other people to judge. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. So working with Dana is, is great uh, for all those things I mentioned. I mean, we have a plan. We both shoot in Huntington Beach and pre-pandemic, we would walk the pier almost every day and mm-hmm. shoot photos. And so we have kind of a, an idea to do a slipcase book where it's like a his or hers. It'd be a separate, oh, book, neat. Yeah. A separate book on Huntington Beach by her, a separate book on Huntington Beach from me. So same subject, mostly same time shooting, but how di- uh, to look at how different the perspective yeah, is. Like her book cool. will inevitably be so much different than my book. I'm way Love more that. cynical and hate <laughs> humanity more than she does. Yeah. <laughs> She's more, yeah, and she does more portraits. She talks to people. She gets involved. She's got a way more positive outlook. Yeah. So, like, I think those two things, based on like the same thing, will be an uh, potentially interesting book in the future. Yeah, look forward to that. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. Awesome. Well, basically, the question is, it's nice. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) a short answer. Yeah. That's a great great answer. answer. Great question. Thank you, Joan. And then we have one more for you, Ed. All right. So the next question comes from Been Here Shot That, and they wanted to know if you had to choose between photography or painting, what would it be? Oof. Well, it's kind of a ridiculous what if. Um, Yeah. (laughs) In a lot of ways, because it's like, inevitably, I won't have to ever make that choice. True. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We, me and... Deanna and I have been talking about, like, obviously with, like, Ukraine happening Mm -hmm. right now, Mm -hmm. we've been sort of filled with this weird empathy and wondering, like, what if we had to leave? Yeah. (laughs) You know, what if suddenly Huntington Beach was getting bombed? Yeah. We had to leave. What would we take? And she asked me that, and I was kind of like, holy crap, I don't even, like, we both kind of said, like, you know what? Our negatives would be really important. It's like, but it's two huge shells and 70 albums. It's like, there's no getting that out of here quickly. Yeah. You know, uh, weight-wise and space and volume-wise, it's kind of insane. And then I started being like jealous of like, oh, maybe Todd Heido has a point putting all his like best negatives in one little box yeah. so he can grab, you know, grab the huh. box and it's a lot smaller. But yeah, and so that made me think about that. Like, would I be trying to save a painting if I had to? <laughs> If I had to bug out, would I be trying to save paintings or would I be saving photography? Yeah. Oh, that's, oh, I hate thinking about that. Yeah. yeah it's kind of crazy. And like what, you know, fam- or like what is important? Like, does it really boil down to like family heirlooms and like, and your negatives? I mean, think about it, like yeah. as a photographer and like, and someone who wants to work with the archive I'm sitting on mm-hmm. in the future, if that, if that was gone, then I'm screwed, you know? Yeah. It's not scanned. It's just, it's in literally in negative form for the most part. And you're not going to make books out of 72, yeah. <laughs> 72 DPI JPEGs. Um, <laughs> no. So kind of hard. I, I guess if I had to like, if I had to do this, yeah, mm. I mean, here I am stumped. I, yeah. So the question is give up, like, I just can't paint anymore. I have to shoot photos only. Yeah. Or vice versa. Would you paint and not shoot photos? Okay. I would, I would paint. It, w- really? it would be painting? That's, that's my answer. Wow. I, I th- 
here's what's funny. I mean, I like both so much. I know. Know. A lot of people, a lot of people have a hard time digesting like the different lanes I work in. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, anyone who's done multiple things has the same problem where people want to just go, this guy is this. Right, 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 right. Categorize you. And I think people have a hard time going like, well, is he a painter? Is he a photographer? Is he a skateboarder? What is this guy? And it's like, you know, it's like I'm never in one lane mm-hmm. simultaneously yeah. that long. And therefore I cut off a bunch of people who can't digest it. Um, but then on a practical level, you know, painting, there's just, you know, look, uh, put it this way, a lot of photography galleries it, on a pre- when I say practical love, I mean like my life right now as selling paintings. Try, I don't make my entire living from that, but photography does not sell in general. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and my paintings yep. do sell. That makes so sense. in a livelihood sense, even though toy machine is my quote unquote day job, which actually pays the bills. <laughs> you know, I think going forward, it's like so many galleries are like who fo- traditionally photo galleries have changed into like branching out because they're not making money selling photographs yeah the internet and instagram has really changed people's nature of like wanting to buy a photograph we deal with photographs every single day Mm -hmm. Uh, every every person does every person that used to not think about photography literally thinks about photography every day now wow 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 (laughs) change the relationship with like do does people want to buy a photograph and Mm -hmm. live with one single photograph anymore so i guess on on, that's one level i guess is uh of this question would be yeah selling uh you know in theory i can like potentially make a living in into my old age painting and since the caveat wasn't put in there that i have to throw away the, the archive i already have <laughs> yeah there you, go. you get to work with that for a while I can, yeah. quit, I can quit photography continue painting but then i still have an archive so yeah you're genius yes <laughs> there is something to be said about like like painters or, or like writers i've been always kind of jealous because you can go on your creative space and create just by painting picking up a paintbrush or like diving into a typewriter or, or type typewriter but you know what i mean like computer <laughs> Stone like tablet. For photography, like I have to go and create, I have to get like, go out and create. I have to, it's like more of a, like a, a mission versus like, I would love to just be able to curl up and just like get in the zone and create that way. Yeah. A little jealous of that. For sure. I mean, yeah, I, I, I know, and I know what you're saying. So another aspect of this question would be if I were to have to give up photography and only paint, my memory has the photographs and I would basically do a series of paintings called photographs that I now am not allowed to use because of this weird question someone put on me. <laughs> yeah, you would just like, that, paint it. The weird ultimatum, I'll, I would now make paintings of all my mm, photographs mm, mm. That, I, that, I know, that I know, but no one would, uh, will ever be able to see because... He found the loophole. Yeah, you did. He found the loophole. <laughs> that's the loophole. So yeah, I love it. That's why I chose painting because I'd be able to one paint all the photographs, and I mean sometimes I do that. I have like photographs <laughs> I missed is the title of some drawings I make. Oh, cool. Where it's like you know that photo you saw but you couldn't get. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I can make a drawing of that cool thing I saw and just include it in my work. <sighs> Now I'm really jealous. Now I'm really jealous. <laughs> a lot of the paintings I just did for my show, which was about. Uh, living in suburbia were photographs I missed or like little things that I, you know, I use a lot of my own photography as reference for the paintings. Mm. So, but also I can use like iPhone photos, photos too. Mm-hmm. So I have like yeah. little tidbits of like, here's a crappy iPhone photo that I was unsuccessful but in the corner of it is this like kid in a wagon with a cast on and I'm going to like, that's now the basis for a drawing uh, that's going to end up in the painting. And then I'll look through my archive and find like, Oh, who's going to pull this wagon? I'll find a photo of a girl I shot. That's so and, cool. You know, kind of like Photoshop those two things together and then make a drawing of that. 
So like the photography fully informs the painting. So that would be hard though. That's another, that's a, mm-hmm. a, a negative loophole is that if suddenly I couldn't shoot photos and my, and it would really hurt my painting actually, because I use a lot of my photography in my painting. Like reference. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tough one. Sorry to put you through that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to put you through that. <laughs> Uh, awesome, though. That was great. That was both great questions. Thank yeah. you, guys. But now we have another question. Yeah. Last series of questions here. So, Ed, <laughs> so Ed. If, if you had to choose one camera for the rest of your life, it's your Desert Island camera, what would it be and why? Hmm. Probably just the M6. I don't know. I was going to say, like, the Fuji, but I feel like this is, like, never going to break on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, True. there's that. Yeah. Yeah, probably the Leica. I mean, that's my, like, workhorse camera that I just have on me all the time. And it's, like, quick and practical. And that's just what I use. I mean, I, I kind of, I'm really, like, we, I know at the beginning of the podcast, I don't know if that'll get edited in or out, mm-hmm. but we did a little gear talk. And uh, I think I start off by saying I'm not a gearhead at all. Like, I, yeah, yeah. Kids come up to me all the time and they, like, want to talk gear and I'm, I, I glaze over. Like, yeah. Like, really, <laughs> like, I don't remember what lens I have. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know if i have a sumacron or lux I right it. like i'm not like a person who knows that stuff and like geeks out on like oh this or that i just like i just use the leica <laughs> i have a 50 millimeter lens i use trix and there's no filters or anything i just like shoot and that's mm. you know so i'm like really pared down in a lot of ways that's just it which keeps me focused on the photography and not the right, gear right um, but i don't begrudge people i know a lot of my friends are like love talking about gear and stuff i just i just don't so yeah for me it would just be just keep the Leica going because that's kind of how I am anyway. Like I just, I really don't dip into the other cameras that much. Like I said, if I do a commercial job, I don't know if you guys saw like I, this, this last year I shot Jonah Hill for GQ magazine. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, that's awesome. I really don't take a lot of jobs. I have sort of a, I have a woman who works as an agent and 99% of the stuff she brings me, I'm just like, eh, eh." (laughs) because I don't need to do it. Like I don't need to pay the bills kind of thing. So it's only like stuff that I think would be fun. And like when she's like Jonah Hill, I'm like, oh, he's cool. Like I saw it. Yeah. He's yeah. Like a skater. He, yeah. Loves skateboarding. He made a movie about his like young skate life and stuff. And I met him at that premiere. So I was like, oh, that'd be fun. Like I like Jonah Hill. So that'll be a fun shoot. And it's like, yeah, of course you get paid assistant stuff too. But, then, but yeah. But for that, I use the GF. So all the color photos of that are the GF 670. Oh, cool. Hmm. Because of course, when you scan those, they look so juicy. When you, if you like, yeah. They do sharpness. look juicy. Sharpness, yep. right, it's going to make a nice, uh, nice two page spread you know, kind of thing in a magazine so i'll use that camera for commercial work and then sometimes i'll walk around with it and shoot it but it's more cumbersome and stuff so and a lot of my shooting is just kind of walking in full speed and shooting as i go yeah so that that's that's my one camera cool that's a good, good answer. answer. Very good answer. Okay, second part of the camera question. Is there anything that you're lusting after right now? Any white whales, something you, you wish you had or want to get? As a non-gearhead, not really. I think Deanna is looking at buying a digital camera. Mm. It'll be a new move for us. And I think we would potentially, for said commercial shoots, which, I, <laughs> which again, I don't do very often, we might use that even though most of the jobs I get, they hire me because I shoot film. Yeah. Yeah. And they know that they're going to have to deal with a little time mm-hmm. <laughs> in between shooting it and getting the photos back and stuff like that. And that, and they're fine with that. And so that might change that dynamic a lot. But um, part of us thinks like, gosh, it'd be nice to do that. 
um, to have that kind of camera. And then I can also shoot my paintings and yeah. do oh, a lot yeah. of other things with yeah. it, you know, that, that I need to do with a digital camera in theory, which we don't have. But I don't know if I have a white whale like that. I'm trying to think if there's been like something I desire like that. It's like, not really. I kind of... We're always envious of that answer. Yeah. <laughs> You're at peace. There's always something I want. Yeah. It's funny because it's like, well, you have so many cameras there oh, on your shelf, but... <laughs> Yeah. Um, I can kind of, you know, I'm in a position with like, you know, with the company and stuff that I can't afford most of what I want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, some of those crazy digitals are like 10 grand and up and that's, yeah. that's definitely mm -hmm. in a serious, in a serious mode now. But, you know, for the most part, it's like the Leica was the thing that I was like, oh, I want this. And I see, I just met two kids the other day in Huntington Beach who had like, you know, Canon 81s and stuff. And they were like, oh, I could see him salivating over the Leica. Yeah, 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 <laughs> oh, look yeah. At that. One of these days I'll get that. And I'm just like, I know the thought, but I'm like, the thing you're holding in your hand shoots the exact same. Like you're yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's exactly the same. Like, yeah, the A1 your, is a great camera. I'm like your eye and your brain are what makes a good photo and not the camera. So you don't need it as someone who's sitting there holding one. But I know. It's like, you know. <laughs> This is, I bought mine when I like, you know, I had like a pro shoe mm -hmm. on America. I was getting that pro shoe money, which I, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I no longer get. But, uh, you know, at one point I was like making good money as a, as a pro skateboarder. And so I was like, sure, I'll buy like a no, no, no biggie. And they were probably like a quarter of the price they are now too. Oh, wait, when did you, when did you get it? I've had it. I've had it. Well, I've had multiple ones over the yeah. years. Like when I break them, I'll get a new one. Um, but um, so they're up there in price now. That's for sure. Well, that's what the kid was saying. He's just yeah. like, he's, he's like, they jumped up in price. I don't know what currently an M6 is going like, for because I didn't like I kind of stopped at the M6 because of the electronic shutter on the seven. Yeah, mm -hmm. probably three yeah. or four thousand for 4, 000, like a really yeah. solid trusted body. Okay, that's up a lot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Last time I got one, I bought one off uh, a guy in Japan or like a camera store in Japan, and I think it was fifteen hundred for the body. That's what the I paid for days. my for my M4. <laughs> like a year and a half ago maybe a, maybe closer to two but it was like it was still in that zone like under two it might have been 1500 for the body i was kind of like okay this isn't that bad yeah that's not bad yeah so it's crazy if they like now i'm scared to break it because because yeah if it goes up then it's going to be that's going to be a chunk definitely it's rough. It's definitely rough a here. chunk yeah that's how i feel about my m7 and i have the one with the aperture priority and it's like if this thing the electronics want to poo poo on me then i'm out you know, four mm, grand mm. right now for, I think they're like at 4,500 too. I mean, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. So I think that's why I didn't get the seven ever because I felt like if the battery goes out, then you're, you can't shoot. Yeah. That happened to me. I was borrowing. Well, it was yours, Timothy. Yeah. I was borrowing <laughs> it from a friend, Chris. Before it was mine. Before who sold it to you and the battery died and I, I thought it broke the thing. It completely locks up and I was like afraid to like tell him and like give it. I was like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, Turns I out think it was just you the get, battery. it's like one sixtieth, one sixtieth of a second is like the only thing you get out mm -hmm. of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't shoot, but only on a sixtieth. Yeah. Level. And it's not like my battery goes out all the time, but I, that's something I thought like, okay, I just, I think the M6 is where I'll, is where I've landed for the most part and haven't gone over that. Well, after yeah. that, it's digital, right? Yeah. They go to eight is digital. Nine, nine, ten, ten, eleven, and now they have eleven. They have eleven. That's the ten grand like one. Ten grand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So as a as a non gearhead, that's kind of where I sit. That's good though. That's a great. Place as much to as be. I, you basically learned as much as I know about Leicas right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Well, awesome. Man. Ed, this was, thank you so much. I can't, yeah, we can't even like so tell fun. you this has been amazing. And yeah, thanks for hanging out and chatting with us. We appreciate it. Sorry for being so uh, long winded. No, I love it. No, this is, like, this we is, said, people, this is listeners are going to go wild. Yeah. It's great. It's the, this has been phenomenal. Where can everybody check out your, your work? You have a website, Instagram. What's the best place for that? Um, yeah, I have a website, ed-templeton.com. I think it's linked to my Instagram. And my Instagram's ed.templeton, I think. Yeah, I share a bunch of photos on there. It's been really weird lately. I feel like the algorithm hates black and white oh, photos. Oh, yeah. I, it's, it's... Suddenly no one seems to see them or like, or everyone just hates them. My followers are like, no more black and white photos. So the algorithm has been so weird. People will like, like my photos three or four days later. I'm like, are you just seeing this now? What is going yeah, on? Yeah, I think they're in the process of doing some weird stuff with yeah. Instagram. So weird. I think it's also the population may, may have just changed. It's like, I don't think Instagram is the right place to share work. No. Mm -mm. Especially for the mixed crowd. I mean, I, I, I also have a double-edged sword of like most of my followers are probably coming from skateboarding. Yeah. And so mm. there's like a mm -hmm. chunk of the people who follow me who are like, wait, why is this guy I know from skating shooting <laughs> photos of people from the pier and I yeah. like a creep or something like that? They just don't even get it. <laughs> mm -hmm. They're not from the photography world. They don't get like, oh, I understand why he was yeah but they're just like why is this guy from welcome to hell shooting like this person without them knowing or something I don't know. yeah so i get like lots of weird comments like what are you doing like what is this? <laughs> i never even thought of that that's so yeah. funny no it's yeah. a double-edged sword so it's like yeah hard. yeah kind of, it's hard for me so i have to be extra careful on like what mm. i share on that level but also just realizing like i don't know what the platform is anymore it's like the real yeah. platform is like a book or a show because mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. people who come to it are like <laughs> ready and willing and like coming there specifically for that purpose to like engage with photography wow yeah so true and yeah when you're putting it on instagram it's like who knows what the people want right based on likes they just want to see my personal life when i share a mm -hmm. photo of me and deanna yep like oh i love deanna it's valentine's day like that's the stuff that gets more likes than anything else and when i share a photo <laughs> or painting they're just like eh. yeah so true times are changing <laughs> yeah uh timothy where can everybody check you out guys i'm on instagram as well and twitter it's at timothy makeups i also have some photography related youtube videos you can just go to the search bar and type in timothy makeups you'll find a bunch of my stuff there chris where are you so I am Chris B. Photo on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We are Analog Talk Pod on Twitter and Analog Talk Podcast on Instagram. And we have a Facebook page and a group that you can join. Meta. If you're, if you're still on Facebook. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that that's about it for us. That's it. Ed, thank you so much again. This has been a dream. This is such a great conversation. This has Flyers been yeah. crossed. Flyers crossed. Coming out later this year. On yes. After. Plug, plug, plug. Love yeah, it. Yeah, we will, we will definitely throw that out into the world when it comes out. Yes. Too. Awesome, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you. Bye. 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 All right. First off, we want to thank Ed for coming on the show. It was so great getting to hear your story and geek out about photography and art and skateboarding. This was, uh, this was a huge episode for us, and we really appreciate you taking the time to come on and hang out with us. Uh, we, we really had a blast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, that's going to take us to Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. For only a buck, you can get the show two days early. We also have our development hang nights and a bunch of other stuff over there. Like we say, Patreon is the best way to help support the show. And for the Patreons who already help support the show, guys, we do not know what we would do without you. That's going to be it for this week's episode. That's going to wrap up the Ed Templeton series. We had a blast. So until next week, we will see you with an all new episode. 
take care guys later